0: Welcome to the WRSU crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax,
1: and enjoy your ride with the crew.
0: Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Monday crew, the first Monday crew of this Fall 2022 semester I'm Dylan Allen alongside Moshe Golubchik, Gideon Fox, and Jack Basaya Guys, welcome to the show, the first Monday crew of this year Yes, Because, sir. Of, because of Labor Day, we didn't get to have one last week um, But I'm definitely pumped to start, to be the first crew this week to break down all the NFL news uh, Some Rutgers
1: news uh, Everything that happened this
0: week is all ours Yeah, pretty much everything that happened is up for grabs and it's we're going to take it and we're going to go with it. Uh, Lots to run through and only two hours to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll start with Rutgers because we're a Rutgers student radio. And why wouldn't we want to start with Rutgers? So we're going to go Rutgers football to start. Big
1: win against Wagner this Saturday. I would even go so far as to say smiting of Wagner.
0: Yeah, I mean, they and they somehow covered that 50-point spread that was just, <laughs> I thought was obnoxious just to give out on Vegas' end. They won that game 66-7. to Really was not a contest. They were up 28 to nothing after the first quarter, so if you're a Rutgers fan, you knew that game was over right from the get-go. But let's start there. Big win over Wagner, moving Rutgers to 2-0 on the season, and now they're going into a week where they got to prepare for Temple, a team they played last year, and I would say did very, very well against. And although this game's on the road this year, I I suspect they'll do just as fine last year as they are gonna do this year. So I. Or the other way around, they're going to do better this. Year. I think they're going to do just as good this year as they did last year, guys. I want to hear your <laughs> thoughts. We'll talk about like the QB competition. If you think yeah. it's a smart move going two guys at once for the foreseeable future, we'll get we'll
1: get through all the questions you guys may have. But yeah. we'll just start with this Wagner game and Temple. Yeah. I mean, they were firing. I was just watching the highlights before we got on the air. They were really firing on all cylinders. You know, Wimsatt was slinging the ball quite nicely. I think you know, we'll get to this a little later. Once you get Noah Vedrill back, it's going to become an interesting right. situation. But Greg Schiano said today, and we'll get back to this later, that he's not sure yet when I'm going to see Noah Vedrill. But like I said, we'll get to that. They they looked really good on Saturday.
2: Well, how do we let them score a touchdown? That's my biggest question. <laughs> Come on.
0: <laughs> Unacceptable.
2: Yeah, and also that drive, that touchdown drive, like, Wagner is moving the ball very well. It was a very quick drive downfield. You know, it's fine. You win this game by 59 points. It's your home opener um, after a really, really competitive game yeah. the week before. Um, I think the biggest thing here, besides just the six, putting up 66 points on the board is great, it's putting up 28 points in the first quarter. Um, that really stands yeah. out to me. And, of course, the the players that scored those 28 points are the first team. You know, the guys that were in later in the game, both on offense and defense, aren't the guys that are going to be at the top of the depth chart. But I mean, these guys went out there and they put up 28 points, four touchdowns in the first quarter. Um that was great to see and this was, you know, the combination of the quarterbacks. Um you know, of course we'll get to that later because how could you talk about Rutgers football <laughs> without talking about the yeah. ongoing quarterback battle? I mean, but it Rutgers? was just Sorry, I mean, I? no, I will get it. Just this team is this team was firing on all cylinders. I mean, 33 first downs. The other biggest thing is zero penalties. That's the the goal of these non-conference games is obviously to win them but yes. in there you don't want to take any flags and you don't want and nobody needs to get hurt and both of those came true on saturday
0: yeah yeah and, and i believe Rutgers had somewhere in the area of 10 penalties against boston college in yeah, the first it, game yeah i mean it ruined the whole yeah. ruined yeah. the touchdown drive it ruined that second drive i remember they they got all the way down to the 10 and then it was a couple of holding false start penalties on Rutgers that backed them all the way up to the 40, and then they all of a sudden punt. punted on fourth and
1: goal from from the, the 40, 45. Yeah. It was ridiculous. It was yeah. And the
2: thing about those penalties, it wasn't like a face mask or it wasn't like a physical penalty. It was like you take holdings and you take false starts when you're not set, when you're not ready to go, when there's right. no communication. Um, so it's great to see that they
3: addressed all of those issues. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I could always hold uh, Shiano for and Shiano teams in general they are always never going to beat themselves. Very rarely will you see them have a massive turnover turnover game or a lot of penalties, like it was last week. Yeah. I think last week, or at least this past week, I meant last week with Paulson College, but this past week with Wagner, I think it was a return to the status quo. Because, right. like I said,
1: Chiano teams are not going to beat themselves, and and Chiano's I, been I saying lot. La- Chiano was saying last week in his uh, midweek press conference that his philosophy is. You find a problem, and you iron it out right away. Find the next problem, iron it out. So, you know, they ironed out the penalties. That's great. And they were able to really, you know, get the ball moving. I just looked up the stats. They had nine different players score touchdowns, which is just very this impressive. This past week? 328 <clears throat> rushing yards. They had nine different players score touchdowns today. And yeah. Um... Hmm. Let me pull up the stats here. I know Jack just said. Yeah, and and
2: some of those touchdowns came from Sam Brown, the freshman running back, who Shiano addressed today in his press conference. Um, e- even without Aaron Young in the lineup, we're not. It's not like we're going to be relying and we're not going to yeah. be hearing Sam's Brown. Sam Brown called very often, um, but it's good to know what's what's coming in the future and what happens if. You know, another running back goes down before Aaron Young comes back. It's good to know who's waiting in the wings. Yeah,
0: yeah, and Sam Brown's a four-star kid out of Philly, and it's just his first year, so he's not getting that much play time at the moment. But I mean, he's going to be a really, really good running back for Rutgers in the near future. Yeah. And you kind of saw some of what he brings to the table against Wagner too. They gave him, uh, they gave him how many, how many. That they end up Put up leaving. 12 carries for 16 carries. yards. 66 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that's just... That's pretty That's big. very good production for a freshman uh, in his first action with the Scarlet Knights. Did not play
1: against BC and all that much. As Jack alluded to a second ago, 328 rushing yards from nine different ball carriers and 257 yards passing. That's pretty good. Yeah. Evan and Simon had 151 passing yards. And, and the one
0: thing with the passing, if you noticed, and you brought up Gideon the first quarter, 28 nothing. If you look at the touchdowns scored, you take out the Monungay two-yard rushing touchdown, that was the first one on the board. Three straight passing touchdowns for Rutgers, all 40 yards plus. They opened up the playbook
4: and against three Wagner. different quarterbacks.
0: Three different quarterbacks too. Langan threw one, uh, Wimsat and, and Simon. They all threw one, 40 plus yards. 40, 41, 40 43. 43 yeah. And so I mean, I know this is the game where you open up the playbook if you're Sean Gleason, but you kind of saw that in the first quarter; they were and it firing worked. on all cylinders. It worked. Now, I don't, I don't think this will work as well against Big Ten opponents. I just Wagner literally looked like a high school team to me. But it just, it was nice to see that they were able to do that, and that even if they use two, three different quarterbacks at a time, that they can at least throw the ball that far. Because with Vedral, the, the concern I had with him was when it came to deep passes like that, he would lose his accuracy and he wouldn't be able to throw it hard enough to get the ball where it needed to be a lot of the times and this kind of hurts a guy like Bo Melton will say on a deep route he'll underthrow the ball and allow that cornerback that Bo has burnt by five seven yards to catch up and then Bo's playing defense that was the problem I saw with Vedrill for years and I think with Wimsat specifically and Simon they both have the capability of throwing it deep and not under throwing it almost every time being able to hit the guy in stride. I think that's the one thing with Wimsat that I have seen that I can firmly say is good about his so game. In terms you, of a power of a thrower, he can sling the ball. So he, he needs to cut, cut down advocating. the picks, though. Well, yeah, but yeah, see, that's that's reading the field. That's different. I know he can sling the ball 20-yard slant yesterday. across the far end of the field, and he'll get it there where it needs to be on time. Vedral would kind of loft it, you know, and then the cornerback catches up. That's kind of what so you would So you're
1: see. saying that even when Vedral does come back... Which could be a few weeks, as we said. You're saying they should still go to Wimsett for the long ball. Yeah, I mean, I liked what I saw against Boston College. Between the two,
0: they were able to run the ball very, very well. Wimsett, yeah, he needs to clean up the interceptions. Um, th- I, did he throw one against Wagner? I th- yeah, I believe he's, he's he had. had a pick in one, every right. single game he's played in, I'm Rutgers. not gonna lie,
3: it was a brain dead pick. Yeah, it no, he threw Wimsett right threw one. to. Him. Yeah, no, no, it it was. but he's had a he's had an interception in every single game he's played in.
0: Yeah, and I think with. And don't don't forget, he's 19 years old. It'll come with learning. And I think that's why they have Simon in there, because they trust him more with the ball throwing-wise. But you get a guy like Wimsat in there on offense, you can do that RPO offense almost to perfection, and the defense doesn't know who has the ball. I mean, how many times against BC Wagner you pick did you see where they run that RPO, and then all of a sudden, Wimsat just pulls it right back last second, breaks off for a 20-plus yard run. Well, that touchdown run right
2: before all of the penalties on all the flags
0: against BC was a Wimsatt, like, 50-yard run. Yeah, 50-yard run. Yeah. Broke uh, broke out that uh, that drive all the way on the other side of the yeah. field, and it's just, that's what you get with him. Gattin Evan Winsatt. Simon's not doing that. Well, I agree with that one, Dylan. And
2: I mean, looking at the quarterback stats, Evan Simon just put up... A solid, solid game. There's no better way to Absolutely. describe it. Ten for twelve, 151 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. All every single one of the quarterbacks had a pass over 40 yards. Right. I mean, ten for twelve, 151 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Like that's just like that's very that's just impressive. dependable. Is that gonna make national headlines every week? No. Is that gonna make big Big Ten headlines? Absolutely not. But when you have the O line of Rutgers that didn't give up a single sack yesterday, was paving the way for these running backs to just burst through. I mean, going ten for twelve, 151 yards is like. It's 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 when you very see efficient. number three, understand. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's nice to see. And Gavin Wimsatt, I think, is the more flashy, is the more exciting. He's the RPO guy. Right. He's out of Kentucky. He graduated high school early to come here. Keep in mind, though, Evan Simon is a redshirt sophomore, so he's in his third year. Right. Uh, while Gavin's in, I guess, technically his second year now, one and a half years, uh, if you want to put it that way. Um, they're both very young. I mean, Evan Simon—that—that's just dependable. That's like that's that's like a of your your beloved pickup truck with like four hundred thousand miles on it. Like, that's just like <laughs> that just like that just keeps going. It just keeps going. Yeah, I mean, Gavin yeah. Wimsat, four for 12 63 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Like, I, sure, does Gavin Wimsat have a better arm than Evan Simon? Sure. I mean, if you look at Brian Fonseca's film breakdown, it, it makes it very clear that Gavin Wimsatt, if he was going to stand at the same place as Evan Simon and they're going to bomb a ball, Gavin Wimsat's going to throw the bar, the ball further. Right. But you can't go four for twelve against Wagner. No, with, I agree with the pick. I agree, but he I think rings. you can you, for 11.
0: can you can teach you can teach a young quarterback how to read an, a defense. You can't teach arm strength. And I think that was the big knock against a guy like say Josh Allen, you know, with the Buffalo Bills now. Everyone knew he could throw the ball super super far, but he had to work on his field vision and his overall accuracy. And I think with coaching he did that and now he's a top 3 4 quarterback in the league. Now, I'm not saying Gavin Wimsatt is like that kind of guy. But I think as an offense, it gives you more to do if they can perfect his craft and be able to read a defense and not throw the ball where it shouldn't go. I think a strength, the strength that he has in his arm, I think Rutgers could use, that we haven't seen since a guy, I'll say Gary Nova, back in the day. Because again, I already brought it up about Vedril, but he was a game manager that would throw you the wide receiver screen, he'd throw you the 10-yard slant across the middle, and you get an occasional deep ball if the guy was like super wide open. But there was never a play where they just bombed the ball 50 yards downfield and it was completed without the receiver having to kind of backtrack towards it. And that, that's the problem I had with Vedril. So when Vedra comes back, yeah, to answer your question, I don't think he should play. I kind of like the tandem, the duo that they have going with Simon and Wimsat. They bring in Simon for passing plays. They bring in Wimsat for RPO. And although Wimsat 4 for 11, 4 for 12, not very good accuracy-wise, You know, teams know he can still bomb the ball. So you always have to be mindful of that. You can't just assume if he comes in, it's going to be a run. That's the one thing I kind of like with Wimsat. He's kind of a bag of tricks. If he can perfect that,
1: it's going to be hard for defenses to read him when he comes on the field. I hear that. And I just want to point out, in addition to his 60 yards passing, Gavin Wimsat also did run for six carries, 62 yards, and he did have a 28-yard run. That's that's not nothing.
0: No, and and that's what I'm— that's what I refer to with the RPO. It's, yeah, no, it's, I, I, yeah. I, I agree. It's it's a great advantage to have. Yeah. And, I mean, they, they would try that with Vedral last year, last couple of years. And he's an athletic guy, but he's not nearly as athletic
1: as Wimsat. Yeah. And you can't pull it off as, as well as they do with Wimsat. Yeah. And just to pivot to the other side of the ball for a minute. The Rutgers' defense was solid, too. Yeah. So, I mean, Mo, As expected. It's Wagner. No, they, it's they, high school football so team. So, there's, there's so much you can
3: take away. I know that you could say, yes, they obviously played great, but they look gave where up. they're playing. I, I took, I would, you can't take a whole lot out of what you saw. I think, you know, I was explaining this to someone uh, earlier today who's not as familiar with sports. Yesterday
0: was like a preseason game. Like Okay, but you still held Wagner to 19 rushing yards. No, no, that's that's on 31 carries, 19 yards. That's true. That's, no, that's granted, something that's they team got that Nick Hardman for negative 21 yards.
3: <laughs> <laughs> they haven't they haven't won a game since September 2019. Right, they've been outscored wow. by
2: like 550 points in that span. That's who we're talking about. That here. is so
3: wild. I, I this was like a preseason game. College football doesn't get preseason games and. Shiana was smart, or Rutgers was smart to have a game like this. So you can get guys in, get their confidence up. Shiana said it after the game. I mean, even though we're playing against – he said effectively, even though we're playing against a team like this, scoring a touchdown, getting that confidence boost is good because, you know, you can look back and say, like, hey – I scored a touchdown already, so now when I score the next one, it's not going to be a surprise. You know what I mean? That's that's effectively what Shiano said, and right. I agree with him. It's good to have that experience. It's good to have a game like this under your belt where you can really hone in on some Absolutely. mistakes and get some reps, get some film, and improve in general.
2: Yeah, and, you know, talking about the defense now, um, this was kind of an all-around defensive day for the entire team. I mean, of course, we had the guys that we're familiar with, Tyreen Powell. Uh in the in, in the secondary, Deion Jennings, a linebacker. I mean, all these guys came to play. Wes Bailey's been having a great year and you know, we'll get to the Shiano press conference from today soon, but that's a player that has been on the radar uh for the defensive coaches. And you know, granted the defense had an easy job. Wagner's gone through like eight quarterbacks or something in the last couple of years. Right. Um like it's just it it's a confidence booster. Like you let up one touchdown an entire game, like it just helps. It, and then you go into Temple. It's still gonna be an easy game. Then you go into Iowa. I mean, that's a real test of the game, um, for the for the offense. But night game, just night game. Seven. Yeah. yeah, seven p.m. kickoff, six o'clock. records countdown. Um, <laughs> all right, all right, right here on WRSU. Oh, you know boardwalk this one is gonna session. be in per This is gonna be in the studio though, Dylan. Not an in person pregame. Yeah, there you
3: go.
0: Not in person this time. That was a lot of fun though. I will, that was I will a lot say of fun. real
3: quick, you guys had a good setup. I saw at the stadium, boardwalk was pretty cool. That was cool. Boardwalk was pretty cool. I don't know how many of you listening or any of us in the studio were there, but it was definitely an experience. I thought it was well put together, and they're going to have a Ferris wheel in a couple weeks too.
0: And that's for every home game, right? They're doing this? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool.
3: Yeah, cool. so that was the beginning of it, and pretty pretty cool, I got to say.
0: Very, very nice. So I got to ask a question. We're talk- we We just talked about the defense, and you know that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to not really give up much to Wagner. it would have been concerning if they gave up seventeen twenty points but one touchdown I'm not gonna kill you for because it's just you know it was happens. one good drive yeah. by Wagner and then other than that they were pretty much just punting every every drive yeah
3: basically said they had one lapse
0: in focus yeah. I mean you're up like forty nine nothing like right okay. like, you're you're just sitting back relaxing you're on cruise yeah control. so it's 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 natural it's it, it is so I gotta ask the question we mentioned briefly. Um, about Shiano's comments about Vedral coming back soon. And I've already said that I'm not really – I don't want him to play. What do you guys think Rutgers should do? Do Are you a believer in this two-man group between Simon and Wimsat being sustainable? Do you think it's something that they can pull off all year long? Do you think they're eventually going to have to choose one guy? And if that's so, who is the one guy in your opinion? They're going to eventually
3: have to choose one guy. For now it's working because you're playing in teams that haven't won since my freshman year in college in well, Boston if, College. Boston College but is a good team. They're a decent they, team. They are a decent team. But when you get into the Big Ten, you know the Big Ten as much as I do. It's it's gonna be brutal. You're gonna play teams like Ohio State, Iowa's no joke. You know, Indiana's gonna be coming into town, all those teams. Once you get into the Big Ten schedule, for your football team, I think you have to have one quarterback. And but who is the one guy? Gavin Wimsett.
0: That's who you think they should go with yes. going forward.
3: Okay. 'Cause he's so, got he's got the talent. We we talked about it. Evan Simon's dependable, but Gavin Wimsat is the guy with the talent. He's the guy that, you know, will take you ultimately to where you want to go. So, you know, I don't think everyone anyone's looking at this season saying this is the two thousand six season, this is the make or break sort of year. I think this can be also viewed as a development. You're having a guy like Gavin Wimsett on the field, getting reps, making mistakes. We've seen him make mistakes already. Having him in the game, maybe he pulls off a win or two. You know what I mean? Like, has a great game out there. Now, I will be first to say, I love Gavin Wimsett. He has made his fair share of of mistakes so far this year. But if you're a Greg Sciano and Sean Gleason and you're looking towards the future, you're saying, Gavin Wimsett's our guy. We need to get him in there and get reps. You know? I guess I'm taking a long-term view of this entire thing. Yeah, I get it. But yeah, okay. when you're looking at the future, you could say Evan Simon might be the better, slightly the better option now based on how Wimzat is played. But to
0: looking at the long view, I think Wimzat's your guy. And I, I, I really just think it depends on the coaching. And obviously, we don't know what Shiano's thinking 24 seven. But Gideon, you mentioned Evan Simon's a young buck as well. You know, he's not like Vedral where he's pretty much out the door next year. This is what you said, redshirt sophomore, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's his third year. So it's his third year, but he's a redshirt sophomore. So he, realistically, including this year, has three more seasons with the Scarlet Knights. And if they view him as the better guy, they could use the same reasoning, Jack, that you use for Wimsat to use for him. Say it's a developmental year. He's got three years left, including this one, if they think that's the better guy. Now, I know on paper, Wimsat is better. And I probably agree with you, Jack. Four star kid out of Kentucky. he
3: He was the guy that you recruited to be that guy. Now, Evan Simon is that guy he ends up being that guy if he proves himself this year I mean man there you go but I'm yeah. just saying like you said Dylan on paper Wimsat is yeah. supposed to be that yeah. guy so I, I mean it I comes down, it down to you,
2: ceiling like if it's it comes down to what their ceiling is like I think if Evan if if Evan Simon were to play every single game no breaks and if Gavin Wimsat are to play every single game this year Evan Simon would put up the better numbers
4: passing wise yeah passing wise
2: okay. okay I, I mean I'd, maybe I'll an argument can be made Wins total garbage wise. Picks. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's he's ma- it's it's hit or miss when it comes to that. Uh, it's the ceiling though. Like, so if Evan mean? Simon, I th- like I think we we've seen all that we could get with Evan Simon, and that that's not a knock on him at all. I mean, I'm every time I see number three under center, I, yeah, I take like a deep breath when I see him there. Like, <laughs> it's it's great to be a quarterback that that throws the ball and is hitting his receivers, and it's like it's great to see that right. ten for twelve with one hundred fifty one yards. Like, that's just mm-hmm. that's just good. That's right.
1: it, especially on a run first team, but it just means. Yeah, but that, that's probably all they were going to get from him. And you know, we said Wimsatt still threw for sixty yards, only went four for eleven, but like you said, like you alluded to this earlier, he's making he's still making mental mistakes, and that's you know that's got to get ironed out. I will say though, and I'll be honest, I don't really know enough about either quarterback to say which one is a better fit long term. But the advantage to having two quarterbacks playing every week, and Coach Ciano pointed this out is that means the defense has to prepare for both quarterbacks. Because if, you, if you're if you going in to play Rutgers and you know, let's just say, it's Gavin Wimsett show. So you prepare for Evan Simon in case he does come in, but you're going to focus on Wimsett. But if you know that both of them are going to get a fair amount of playing time, you know have to spend time preparing to play against both quarterbacks. The, right, there's positives and negatives
3: to no, a two quarterback situation, and that's situation. what BC did.
1: With, and it's the same prop; it's the reverse for Rutgers. Is that they're splitting the first team reps, and that's what BC did. Because I remember Jeff Hafley was
0: saying they prepared for Vedral as well, and you you didn't see that article come out until about two hours before kickoff that Vedral was not going to play, that he was out. That was the first time you right. heard of that news on game day. So BC prepared for three quarterbacks, right?
1: And you heard Shiano saying that you know he was very intentionally. He's still keeping Vedril's condition very close to the vest. I mean, part of it which struck me is they asked Shiano about it, and he said he didn't want to say anything more than all they've said so far is that Vedril has an upper body injury. Right. And when they asked Shiano about that after the, after the BC game last week, he said he doesn't want to specify what the injury is because he's worried that when, when Vedril does come back, that Big Ten linebackers will target an injury if they know where it is, which to me is just astonishing. That that's something that we have to be worried about. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I
0: listen. There's probably coaches out there that'll say, "Hey, listen, you know, aim for the right side of his body, you know, left side, whatever." And he could say that as an excuse, Mo. He he really could just say that as just something to really cover up but maybe the real reason. I don't you know. That. Maybe he just maybe Vegurols just really not that hurt, and he just wants to see these two guys play. I, I they could be really any reason, because yeah. again, if this is a, mean, deven- a developmental she- year, you're not going to start Vegurol yeah. every game and waste yet another year of Wimsat's time. And I mean, if it's a, a developmental transfer.
1: year, I would say why start or at all?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So again, I don't know how he views the year, if he de- if he views it it that way, right? And if that's the case, then there should be no real reason as to why he should play right. in the.
1: First place. I mean, you make a good point, which is we know that, you know, sometimes it looks like Greg is playing 4D chess. And oh, he kinda, always is. He's playing he's 4D chess. He's thinking he had, like, three moves. So we, you know, those of us sitting in this, you know, humble radio studio on College Avenue, we have no idea what Greg Shiano was thinking. Yeah, no clue. And I understand
2: where he's coming with the injury thing because that happened to Vedrill. It was the COVID season, I want to say, um, that for the season where there were, no, there were no fans in the stands. Um, uh, Vedrill had his ankle all twisted up by I think he was a defensive lineman on Maryland where Vedrill got tackled and they were just you know on the ground you know ending the play Um, and you could could clearly see a defensive player from Maryland just kind of grabbing his ankle and just doing something that is completely unnecessary on the football field so I um, really really do understand where, where Shiano's coming from and he's protecting his players and
1: Big Ten football is you know tough nails you know tough football cream of the crop It's up there with the SEC. You look at teams like, you know, Ohio State that are in the Big Ten, you know, these perennial powerhouses of the Big Ten, you know, it's pretty scary, you know. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. Like, these are perennial contenders, and we're playing against them every year. Yep. And they all want to win.
2: Yeah, and I mean... It's Rutgers will be you know, they're gonna be up there with those teams soon. Um yep. definitely looking way ahead in the schedule. I mean, there's there's possibilities that this team goes five and one to start the year, uh, just at the first half of the year, which would be incredible, not out of the question, um, I'm you curious, know, based on how this team which, is going.
1: So let's ass- I'm assuming you're giving them temple. So between of Iowa, course. Iowa between Oh Iowa, Ohio State, and Nebraska, which one of those do you think they potentially lose well the Ohio State yeah but yeah I, I think they that's the only they one they could lose. Realist. you think they beat Iowa you beat they beat Iowa at home they and beat Nebraska Iowa home, and yeah. Nebraska at home I think, think? so easily yeah. and walk into October walk into India and then Indiana comes in plays a five and one Rutgers team they after Indiana Rutgers clinches bowl game in October they'll be six and one
3: six Indiana's and one. not
0: good at least I don't think they're not they were not good last year whatsoever. that would be something
1: Right, but I think it's definitely obtainable. After Indiana, you have Minnesota, and then back-to-back, you've got Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, three weeks in a row. That's a tough— Listen, it's always
0: tough come um, end of October, beginning of November, that Big Ten schedule. Every single year, it's those three teams in a row— and then they close out with Maryland. It, it, it's So that's why it's important yeah. to take care of business with these games. You saw it last year yeah. where down the stretch, Rutgers had a chance to clinch the bowl game or put themselves in a very good spot to clinch one at Northwestern. They laid an egg, and then all of a sudden it came down to the Maryland game because there was a three-game stretch where you're playing Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, yeah. and you knew the team wasn't going to win. So you're like, okay, you got to wait till the last week against Maryland to do that and then they lost again. This year, if they can take care of business against an Iowa team who has struggled mightily offensively, only two touchdowns in their first two games. Or is it only one touch? I think it's 14 points total in two games, one touchdown only. Yeah. Yeah, Because it was two safeties and a field goal or something. So that's a team that has struggled offensively, has not gotten it together,
1: and they've played Iowa State and South Dakota State. Not very good teams either. Yeah, and I will say... And this is just, you know, looking ahead to the future. In a couple of years from now, imagine how exciting it's going to be. Like this year, the last four games of Ruck- the last month of the season, November, Rutgers plays Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Maryland. Imagine how much, f- how crazy it's going to be when it's Michigan, Michigan State, USC in Penn State. <laughs> huh.
0: and, you take take out like, and you take out like Minnesota be. and it's like yeah. at USC. Yeah. So that's. I don't, I, you know, I'm not that's looking forward be to that. Wild. I'm not looking forward to that <laughs> <laughs> as a Rutgers fan. I'm not I looking mean, forward to your schedule. Being. I don't think that's any a, of
1: us will still be sitting at this a, desk when that happens. I will be a Rutgers fan. Does not matter. Oh if no, I to I'll be a Rutgers fan for life. <laughs> Could
0: you imagine the schedule, Jack, and getting and everyone? If it was at USC, Michigan at Michigan State. Penn State, Maryland. Just You're, like almost every year. You
2: just go through your body'll go through so many temperature changes, like the <laughs> whiplash from Oh, and somewhere from like there you Ann Arbor to <laughs> California
0: yeah. to
1: state college. You're just like And then what, what, somewhere like, in there you have to play U C L A. Yeah, you know? they might they might do that um Every other year? Every other year. Yeah, I mean... Because they'll be to, Big
0: Ten West.
2: They're going to have to realign everything. Yeah.
3: I know the future WRSU members who get that get those trips,
1: though, will be very happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I kind of yes. want to red Shout out to Eddie Colleghi. And... Eddie Colleghi's <laughs> a lucky guy. Do, and, I get uh, to, uh, do I get to do that as a guest? No. Okay.
2: You can just take a medical red shirt this I'll
0: year. I'll take a couple gap years. I'll come back for I my got a senior year yeah. in 2024, <laughs> and I'll hey, go we were, out there. we
3: were all here during COVID. We can get our, we can do it just as much as Geo can. Yeah, we were all here. And Caleb McConnell can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: If they can stay, like, five, six years, <laughs> why can't I?
3: <laughs> and Jordan yeah. Bohannon. Jordan Bohannon was, like, a senior citizen playing college. Oh, like. man.
0: So. Gio let him know it, too. <laughs> <laughs> you look up his stats, it goes, like, all the way back to 2016. And I'm like, how is this possible? <laughs> it's like,
2: that's, like, when people talk about, like, pre-COVID, it's like, 2016, like, is pre, like, everything. Like, yeah. that's, like, pre-high school graduation. Yeah. Like, I, was,
1: I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when like he started. 2016, yeah, we were all in high school. That's, that's wild. Yeah, I graduated from middle school in 2015. Like, and Jordan Bohannon was just
2: <laughs> balling in Iowa City.
1: Yeah, it's
0: wild. All right, so real quickly, thoughts for Temple: Is it going to be the same two quarterback duo? I assume that's what they're going to do. This is like kind of the last sample. I assume so. <clears throat> I'm it'll, assuming it. It'll, it'll, it'll be like the last game for them to sample yeah. this little experiment out before you
1: now, hit I, Iowa. I mean, Temple's coming off a win, but how good is oh, they're horrible. I'm <laughs> having,
0: I'm having a
3: conversation with. Temple beat writers tomorrow. I was going to ask DA if you had any foresight on them before I talked to him. Uh Temple? Yeah. Like are they as bad as they were last year?
0: I mean when they, they lost 30 they got... nothing to Duke. Well, we beat them we beat them 61 to 14 last that,
3: year. That that was unreal. We had like eight turnovers that game.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I did my first football demo for that game and uh yeah that was they were just horrendous. I mean, listen, they beat Lafayette great, but is that even div- division 1? I, what I it, don't like, know. Ask low tier Division One, and they and they get shut out by stand Duke, by
1: one. Hold on, a ladies. basketball
0: school. They got shut out by thirty points. i
3: was just about to violate the basketball team for a second. You said are they D one? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cameron indoors <laughs> a high school gym. Come
3: on,
0: it really is. It's just old. Yeah, and, but I mean you lose thirty. To, they prefer rustic. Yeah. yeah, I mean you can't lose thirty to nothing to Duke. Coming from a Giants fan, our quarterback's from that school. He's not very good, and so I just can't <laughs> imagine
1: that they're very good. So thirty to nothing—that's a joke. Yeah. By the way, Lafayette is in the Patriot League. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it's, it's a, a big league.
2: lacrosse league. It's like they uh, play Lafayette, Lehigh. Um, Lafayette, kind of that area of the. Of yeah, we got the Pennsylvania football
1: standings. We got Holy Cross, Colgate, Fordham, Lehigh, Lafayette, Georgetown, and Bucknell. I heard Lafayette's got a good basketball team, though.
4: <laughs>
0: okay,
1: no, no,
3: this conversation mm. is absolutely next.
0: That was such a bad game, and I was calling that game. I think it was with Schmied. I was it rough. was Schmied because was I was rough. listening
3: to the broadcast. I couldn't get to that game, and all I heard is Schmied say, "Well, how did that go down again? The kid hit the game-winning three, right? He was like, goes up and it's good. Harper goes down the court, misses it, and it's over." Yeah, it was just Schmied was like shocked, just calling that. <laughs> He's like, "And Rutgers lost to Lafayette." Unbelievable ending. <laughs> yeah, like... you
0: go. And Rutgers lost. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I mean, we were we were both just sitting there with like our mouths just like our jaws dropped. We're like, what did we just watch? We we thought our tournament season was over right from the jump. It was like what three games in? In any Something other, like that. in any other season,
3: it was over. But last season, it wasn't. Hey, so. but don't count Steve Pykal's boys out till the last buzzer. <laughs> All right. Well. On that sad note, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with some Rutgers soccer talk. We've got some good soccer teams here on the banks, so really good conversation coming up.
4: Yeah, I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to run. Till
3: I can't no more I'm Gonna take my horse the old town road. Welcome back to the crew here on this Monday evening no That is a song that brings me back To my senior year of high school uh, And you are listening to the crew So we had a nice conversation of On uh, Rutgers football um, And their big win against Wagner And their upcoming game against Temple We're gonna switch it over to Rutgers soccer We've had some very good soccer teams over the course yeah. of the start of the season, especially on the women's side. The women's soccer women basically picked off right where they left off. Basically, eight zero
1: on eight zero and zero. Excuse me on the yes. season. 8 and zero.
3: They made the College Cup obviously last year. Fell to Florida State out in Santa Clara, but they are back and better than ever. They have really hit the ground running and hey. off to their best start of the entire of their entire. Uh, it's like history. History. Right? It's yeah. Eight
2: oh one zero was their well. 0 was the best start in franchise in program history. And there's now they're eight no oh 8-0-0. O- exactly. There's there's no other undefeated women's soccer teams uh, in college right now. I mean, this team is is rolling, and I think their win yesterday uh, against LSU at Yurcak Field to wrap up non conference play. I think that's their biggest win of the year. Yeah. You're down two was- nothing going into half. You win three two. Sam Kroger has your second multi goal multi goal game of yeah. the year. They got some stars on that team. It's it's, I mean, Sam Kroger
1: and Sam Kroger played well, and she didn't score, but Allison Lowry played playing so well. Didn't as I said, didn't score yesterday, but Kroger and and uh, and Daigle did, and that worked out pretty well.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I mean, Sam Kroger. The last time she had two goals was against Princeton, and she scored two in like the first three minutes. and right, now so, she has the team lead in goals. Yeah. It's Sam Kroger with six, Allison Lowry with five, Kylie Dagle with four. I mean, Kylie Dagle had a goal on SportsCenter this year. I, like, this team was yeah. just firing on all cylinders, and it's like, yeah, sure, they yeah. lost a ton of firepower. You lose Frankie Tallyferry, you lose Amira Ali, uh, you lose, you lose um, Gabby Provenzano. But then, like, players like Sam Kroger, who was, who was a great player last yeah. year, that was six goals through non-conference play. I mean, it, it's, it's, it must yeah. be terrifying to be another Kroger, team in the Big Ten.
1: Book ending this in the second half she scored i'm trying to f- i don't remember exactly but she scored very early in the second half to uh to cut the lead to two to one and then scored the game winner with just over five minutes left and uh in soccer that's pretty much a given win and
3: just going back to what giddy was saying about losing all those players that he mentioned frankie taglia amir ali the list goes on it's hard to come back the next year and pick off right pick up right where you left off. We're seeing this with the field hockey team. Field hockey team is talented this year for sure. And they have a lot of great pieces, but they lost so much last yeah. year that it's kind of taken, you know, a couple games to get back under their feet and start getting yeah. some wins. They started the season with the battle on the banks, losing two games, lost tough one to Duke and then the St. Joseph's, the field hockey team I'm talking about. But then they followed that up with a three-game win streak. It's tough to do what the women's soccer team is doing because especially in college athletics because you know turnover is the name of the game basically. so it's it's really impressive what they're doing and I'm hoping that yeah. they can continue it on and all the way you know
1: to the end of the season. I and mean, they were Rutgers women's soccer has only been in eight games has only been held scoreless in the first half two times this entire season. yesterday was one of those times. Do you know what Jack? do you know what their goal differential is this year? No clue. What is it? Their goal differential is plus 22. Wow. <laughs> that's uh no, that's they have scored bad. That's goals. Savvy. Yeah, shabby. No, that's not bad at all. They have scored 27 goals, and Mel- Megan McClellan has allowed just five the entire year. And the one thing that stands out to me in this game specifically, we talk about the goal
0: scorers, Sam Kroger and all that, but uh, if you're a team like Rutgers and you're hosting this game, you're going into it, you know, Winning, you're seven and zero, and you're down all of a sudden two nothing in the first eleven minutes. To be able to get yourselves together as a team, believe in the system, and you know whatever the the plan is to execute that plan, to come back and win three two in the first eleven minutes for that team to then just buckle down, figure it out, and come back in the second half. That's what stands out for me the most, because. Going down two nothing in the first ten so minutes definitely takes a lot of that confidence out of you right from the jump, and it shows to me it shows me that this team has a lot of a lot of confidence in each other to come back and win these type of games, and that's what that's what it's going to take come later this year. Rutgers will never oh I shouldn't say never, they won't always be winning every game you know from start to finish. There will be times where they have to come back from a, a deficit. And this was one of the games where the first 10 minutes, you're down two goals to none, and you have to have an answer quick. Otherwise, you're going to lose that game. And they were able to figure out in the second half with three goals. But that's, that's what stood out to me the most, just be able to collect themselves yeah. from a tough start and just pull out a big win against a good and, LSU team.
2: And we're going to hear from the player that, that did that, that player that was able to buckle down, buy into the system, has been buying into the system, um, You know, of course, as we're doing this here on Crew. Um, Anytime there's a soccer game, you could hear what the team and sometimes the coach has to say after the game. Um, We will air those interviews the next day. We're going to throw it over to Sam Kroger, the hero of
1: yesterday's game. Yeah. Ellis Ellis Gordon caught up with Sam Kroger after the game, and here's what she had to say. All right, so obviously the second half started off
4: much better than the first half what changed in the locker room halftime speech yeah we just talked about it just keeping the ball simple and we know the surface was wet so just keeping it on the floor was our main concern um just moving it around once you touch football and that's how we got our rhythm and that's how we kind of exploited them on the width and you know our isolation is our biggest thing so we always tell our wingers go 1v1 if you have the opportunity so We did just that. And I think our coaches challenged us in the second half, and we got that done.
1: And two goals on the game. I want you to take me through that amazing second goal, upper 90. What were you thinking there?
4: Yeah, so I always. We always talk about just taking shots from outside a distance. If you see it, uh, I saw my opportunity, took a dig, and it ended up in the back of the net. So I think that you know our mentality, just to have shots on goal, is our is our main concern. And I think that we're getting better as the season goes along. So just keeping that up. I know we have lots of goal scorers here, and, and they all want their opportunity. So just just keeping the mentality just going forward from here.
0: And Riley's hearing two assists to you, of course. What can you say about your connection with her? How's that going?
4: Yeah, she always draws players out. And I think that just opening myself up, just. Kind of taking my player away from me is what I what I saw on the field. And I think that, you know, she dished it off perfectly, and uh, that's how it ended up ended up in the back of the net. All uh, right, good game. Thank you.
2: Good game, absolutely. I mean, Sam Grover, like game. we said before, six goals. You know, you have Allison Lowry right behind her, had a couple of assists. I mean, this team was just firing on all cylinders. They go into... Big 10 play this Sunday at 1 o'clock against Ohio State, who comes to visit myself and Ellis Gordon will be on the call for that one. Coverage gets started at 1250. Should be exciting for there, but of course, another fall sports team. Uh, the men's soccer team off to, I wouldn't put it a shaky start, then obviously no, no one's starting off like the women's soccer team right now, but the men's soccer team just picked up their first win of the season last Friday night against Ryder, and this is a soccer team that is somewhat in, in, in a transition. They, they got some players out of the transfer portal, namely MD Myers. Um, yeah, but now things are coming together. They
1: are two. They have two wins.
2: Yeah. They're two, one and two. Um, those, this was their first win at home. Uh, they won back in Omaha, uh, to start off the season, but they haven't in their last three games, they tied two, uh, and they finally picked up the win this Friday night against Ryder two to one victory. Uh, they're back in action tomorrow night. Um, you know this. This is a team that that lost a lot after the offseason. season. They lost to Orrin Asher, their star goalie, um, and now they're they're picking up the pieces. And a two one and two start
0: is is not is not bad at all,
2: especially when you're o when you're one o oh, and two at home.
0: Yeah. yeah, and the one thing that I noticed um, looking at the season totals, MD Myers five goals for them, and the next closest He's guy is just, it. just one. Jackson yeah. Temple, a couple of guys tied for one goal. Point is, you need to get some guys to score. It can't just be can't just be Myers doing all the work for you. He's got five, and again, the
1: next closest is a couple of guys tied for one. Yeah, and you gotta you. you but have, he has been good. You have one more non-conference game against Albany tomorrow night, and then right after that, Saturday, you're straight into Big Ten play. You've got to work this out. So. Yeah, you, you they'll pull it together,
2: and I mean, this is a team that, like I said, they're those, those, there's, they're trying to figure everything out. You know, getting guys like M D Myers that you could rely on on um, this huge but When You absolutely. have absolutely a handful of players that have all scored five goals. Dylan, like you mentioned, Jackson Tempo, Pablo Avila, uh, Jason Brugge, uh newcomer Ian Abbey. Um, they're they're just they're it's like they're on the cusp of something even greater. They just need you know to add in a couple pieces. You need a goalie you could rely on, just like the way they relied on Orrin Asher last year. But with that, that'll wrap up our Rutgers Fall Sports recap. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and end the hour one of crew with Locks of the Night.
1: Back to the Monday crew: Moshe Globick, Dylan Allen, Gideon Fox, Jack Basaya. Here with you. Got an hour and fifteen minutes left to uh, just blitz through what's going on in the world of sports. We're gonna take a step back now and give you some of our uh, some of our locks for the week. Um, as I often say when we get to this segment, if you're listening to us for betting advice, why are you doing that? <laughs> but we're gonna give it to you anyway, even though. I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, so. I, I, I like to think that
0: I have a sense of what I'm talking about. If you feel different, okay, do. I won't believe your but... picks then. But for me, I like to think I have some kind of sense. I bring up a good good argument behind my pick that I think most no, people no. get
1: behind. No, I I, I I try to do the same. But my point is, if you're taking betting advice from a bunch of college kids it's in a in a random room. Hey, I think college kids know it best. I yeah, they're degenerate with this stuff.
0: I think to be fair, I think if you listen to anyone for betting, you're desperate. I'll say that. Oh, hey, because because, because fine, no one knows okay. anything that's going to happen. You can all the ESPN guys that are like so on their then, bet shows and stuff like they they they, I can make up the same reasoning as to them, and it might not happen. So, it's just because it's how it goes. You know, it's who, knows? You know who knows? Vegas. Vegas. The it's house always, Vegas. always knows. So, a little. Uh, so, we should just interview preview. Vegas here. Well, yeah, have Vegas yeah. call in.
2: Yeah. A, a little. 922 8800 Vegas, if you're listening, <laughs> please call in. <laughs> that's so, that's a little
1: preview for uh, what's to come later in the show, but uh, would you say the same about fantasy football? What, you know? Yeah, I I What I does definitely Matthew Barry know that we don't?
0: Because you can't predict injuries. Like. Everyone knows. You also can't predict Cam Akers not touching the stinking ball. Right. Everyone knows when healthy. In my starting lineup. Everyone knows when healthy, Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in fantasy football. But yeah. that's a big if when healthy. No one knows when he's going to get hurt, if he's going to get hurt. So it's kind of the same thing. Like you just don't know what's going to go on in the game. And that, you that goes for everybody. Know. Just you so, really, so just because you really never know. we're four college kids in a random room, just like everyone else, we cannot predict the future. We Absolutely. can only give our reasonings as to why it might happen. With that, DA, I'll let you kick it off. What all do you right, got cool. for me? I think Monday Night Football, that's where I'm going to go tonight. All right. All right. Broncos-Seahawks in Seattle. Russell Wilson returns to Seattle first time since being traded to the Denver Broncos. And mm-hmm. I think the Seattle Seahawks are one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. Roster-wise... Their starting quarterback, I believe, is Geno Smith. Yes, and I
1: believe that is correct.
0: I'm a Giants fan. That guy was our backup for a couple of seasons. and in, in fact, he's the one who broke the Eli Manning uh, regular season start, or, streak. Start, start streak that I was just really, really mad about at the time. Um, he's not a good quarterback. He's a good backup, I guess. Seattle likes him a lot. They've kept him there for quite a while. The Sprite is 6.5 in favor of the Broncos. For this show, I don't want to be that guy that picks, like, the money line because I think everyone and their mother thinks Denver's going to win this game. But I'll pick the spread, make it a little bit more interesting because you could argue, well, I think Denver wins, but they might not cover. So I'm going to go with the 6.5 for Denver. I think they blow Seattle out of the water tonight. I think it's that Russell Wilson revenge game. I think they win by 10-plus points. I really think the spread should be more like 8.5. So I'm going to go with Denver laying the 6.5 points I think they win big tonight in Seattle. Denver gets their first win of the year, goes 1-0, and I think Russell Wilson puts a good performance out there. Gets bro- Let's ride, Broncos country, right? So I think that's all what's right, going to happen right.
3: tonight. Broncos country, let's ride. Let's, let's ride. I think that's what's
0: going to happen tonight. You're just going to see a blowout on ESPN, and you're going to want to just turn it off by the third quarter.
2: Well, I'll transition to my lock. Dylan, I hope it's not – it could be a blowout, but if there's going to be six points scored by the Seahawks, I could tell you who it's going to come from. It's going to be DK Metcalf, okay. the tallest receiver that's going to be out on that field tonight. All it's right. it's Monday Night Football, week 1. You're playing in in Seattle, which is a football city. You know, you have the 12th man there. They love their Seahawks. They love DK Metcalf. Um Geno Smith not great. Um why not throw to your most reliable receiver? <laughs> And that, that you, makes and sense. you have to you have to look at the value of a DK Metcalf anytime touchdown a bet. It's plus one ninety five, okay. which is like disrespectful to DK Metcalf. It is like one ninety five is kind of ridiculous. If Jerry Judy is going to be like plus one thirty,
0: if From, Russ was the quarterback, it's
2: probably minus odds. If Russ is the quarter, yeah, or maybe even even like Javante Williams is 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 the or the lowest odds of plus one fifteen. Okay, I guess maybe if if. Russell Wilson's a quarterback in this exact same situation. Maybe plus one fifteen, maybe plus one hundred, but plus one ninety five. I mean, it's worth a sprinkle. Um, <laughs> it's a light just sprinkle. for the value, yeah. Like you don't have to handle it just a little. Um, just a couple, couple beans. Yeah, just some beans here and there, just to have some fun with it. Um, I mean, first touchdown score, I think, is is a little bit more arbitrary. But I think DK Metcalf is reliable. Geno Smith is not so reliable. So why not? Why not just go to the guy that he had chemistry with last year? I think DK caught like four touchdowns for him last year. So. DK Metcalf plus one ninety five. Lock it in
0: before that line dramatically drops. All right, I like that. <coughs> we don't always get touchdown score props. I like that though. It's definitely different. Because
2: yeah. you're saying, I mean, you can't. The money line isn't isn't. Uh, there's no value in the money
0: line uh, unless you're betting yeah. Seattle money line. You, yeah. You you essentially need to lay well, like two hundred and seventy bucks on Denver to win a hundred, and that's
1: not really worth it. Exactly. So DA, I'm gonna play off you as well. Okay. And. Uh, I'm gonna go to the other side of the ball, like Giddy, as get Gid, from Giddy. I'm gonna go to the Denver side. Russell Wilson. The line is one and a half touchdowns, minus one fifty-seven. I think that's, I think that's a safe. I think that's a good bet, but I think he goes over it. I think he goes two, three touchdowns. Like you said, Dylan, revenge game. You know, I think Russell Wilson, two or three touchdowns, and. As you said, I think he walks out of there with a win.
0: Yeah, and and the other thing too that I think we finally see is this Denver Broncos receiver core kind of showing what they what they can do and what they could have done the last <laughs> couple of seasons had they not had Drew Locke throwing them the ball for two three seasons and Teddy Bridgewater as well. Guys like Jerry Judy, um, KJ Jerry Hamler,
1: Judy's, Judy, Jay, Jerry Judy.
0: Yeah, excuse me, I can't speak. Jerry Judy is a great receiver. Great receiver and. It, I think he was taken. Well, it was, I think second in the class behind Henry Ruggs, I which was a questionable is... pick, but everyone knew that Jerry Judy was going to be a, a really, really good receiver. They yeah. just needed a quarterback, and I think you're finally going to get that. I'd with say you Russell found Wilson. your quarterback. I would say so. They just gave him a boatload of money too. <laughs> How much was it? Like two hundred something. Yeah, it was a lot for I think a five-year extension. But I think Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, all those guys, you're going to finally see like the talent that they have. Because they have a quarterback, they can
1: who finally can throw use the ball. all that talent yes. that they
0: have. I mean look at the last couple of years with Metcalf and especially uh, Tyler Lockett. I mean Lockett was the guy catching seventy yard bombs that were right on the money, right in the end zone. I envision that with Denver, they're going to do that a couple of times on it. They're going to try the deep ball, and I think it's going to work. Russell Wilson has arguably one of the best deep balls in football, accuracy wise. He's up there with Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. He always just lays it where it needs to go. So I think that's – I agree with you, Mo. That's another reason why it's
1: just going to be a blowout, in my opinion. I think so Russ looking, walks out of there with his head held high, and I think he walks out with a nice stat line to boot. Yeah.
2: Well, before we go over to Jack to hear his lock of the night, there's a single-game there's a, a single game parlay um, that I'm seeing online. Russell Wilson plus 300 passing yards. Uh, it was Russell Wilson over 300 passing yards. Russell Wilson over three passing touchdowns, and Denver to win by 10-plus points. Plus one, plus a thousand one
0: hundred. See, I don't know if he'll get the three hundred yards passing. I'm not so sure about, about the three hundred yards passing either. You think he I, would hit
2: the two other, the he, two other? What were, it legs? was three
0: plus touchdowns.
2: Three plus touchdowns. uh Denver to win by ten plus yes. points? Yes, I think the other I think, two hit.
0: Yes, I the agree. problem is, I think Denver runs the ball a lot in this game because I think they like Javante Williams and uh, is it Melvin Gordon? Or uh, is it yeah, Melvin Gordon, Melvin right? Gordon, okay, yeah. Say, yeah. So I, th- I think they like what they have there as well. They'll run the ball. They'll get the play action going. I, I can see Russ getting, like, 270 yards, 275, 260. I think he gets, like, he gets three touchdowns. Close, yeah, because I like I remember in the Seattle days, he would get, like, 270, 260, and two three touchdowns. So I, I think is it all three have to happen for that to win? Yeah, it's yeah. a three, like, it. Okay, so what are the odds they're giving you with that? Plus 1,100. Mm. So I wonder, I, I, I know you can't take it out, but I wonder what it would be if you could do three touchdowns and then Denver, ten plus. What right, those they, odds they would be? Take the alternate spread. I would take those. I don't know about the three hundred yards though. That's um. But it is worth a little sprinkle. I will say that <laughs> a little couple sprinkle. couple of beans. Eleven hundred. I mean, listen, if they, if you know they do a design screen and it breaks out for eighty yards, you never know. That might get him to the three hundred yards, whatever. But I think it deserves a little sprinkle because if you think two out of three can happen, and if you think he's going to finish. 20, 30 yards shy of 300, you're essentially saying that's like one or two pass plays away from getting the 300. So, I mean, if you, if you think like me and you think he'll finish a little bit under 300, I think it I think it deserves a little sprinkle. All right, Jack, I believe you are last to go for locks of the week.
3: Yeah, and honestly, it's, it's news to me that there was NFL on this weekend. I, I honestly missed it. I, You're the commissioner of the Fantasy League. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I just completely missed NFL Sunday and today. Um, but with that said, I mean, since I have nothing to know about the NFL so far this this weekend, I'm going to go with uh, the WNBA Finals. That is going on <laughs> I right was now. waiting for this, so, by the way. Las Vegas Aces are playing the Connecticut Sun at the moment Uh they're uh, the Aces are leading one nothing. I'm gonna be honest, it's news to me that the WNBA, WNBA finals are going on, but I do know a bit about the WNBA, <laughs> and I think that the Sun are going to cover tonight. They're they're four and a half dogs tonight, and I think they tied the series up at one apiece. Now the WNBA finals are a best of five series, and they play tomorrow night at 9 p.m. on ESPN. See, here's the problem, Jack. What?
0: Not with the bet. But I don't even blame you for not knowing what it was going on. This is on them. They put the game on at like 3 in the afternoon on, on opening weekend football Sunday. Yeah, who thought that was on a ESPN, good idea? 3 p.m. In the middle of the 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock hour games, they put a, the game 1. So of of course no
3: one knew. Well, it was you might going not on. been watching. I, I honestly I didn't I didn't know the NFL was going on. So like you know
1: it's. Uh, <laughs> you,
0: you knew you knew who was playing at eight twenty though, and I'm sure you watched that game.
1: I you know what we'll get into it now. <laughs> but um, I will say the WNBA ratings are up. Let me hold on. I'm trying to find the. Uh, I,
3: I'm taking the but my lock is sun are gonna co- sun are gonna cover. They're gonna win. They're gonna tie up the series in on one piece. All
1: right. I all right. All right. I think, I
0: think
3: money line or got- spread. Spread.
0: He's taking the four, pl- the, the four okay. points. Okay, that's underdogs. Yeah, so, so you think it. the sun even it up?
3: Yeah, at okay. one apiece.
0: Is it in Las Vegas? Where's the game? In it Las is Vegas. in Vegas. In
3: la- that's why. That's why the Vegas Aces okay. are. That's why the Vegas Aces are favored in this game. I, I made a WNBA bet at the beginning of the summer with the Aces involved and I bet against the Aces and that's exactly what happened. So we're it's happening again, baby.
0: I think the other team was like double digit underdogs and they ended yeah. up winning the game. I yes. think it was Atlanta. Wasn't yes. it Atlanta, it was, Atlanta. It, was, Atlanta yeah. Dream? it was Aces versus Atlanta. Yeah, was Atlanta yeah. Dream? Yeah. Yeah. Was I
3: said name? hammer I said ham- I said hammer the spread and you know what? It worked out. It worked so out. we're gonna bet against the aces again.
0: Going for two in a row. All right. Yes,
3: sir. All
1: right, all right. Everyone watch, 9 p.m., Tuesday evening, ESPN. Giddy, when are we starting to track uh, success rates on people's locks? Uh, We're
2: going to have to talk to the token math whiz in the department. I'll tell you what, we'll
1: we'll track ours now.
0: Okay. Because this is the first we could track last week's show. Right, I mean, this is our first. This is our first one. We could
2: also, like, once we start tracking, we could just go back in the logger and, and pull out. You know, we could dig around and
0: it'll take half. Or an we hour could to just do or we ones. could just do Just go
1: on Spotify, shameless plug. Or we could Yeah, check <laughs> yeah, out Spotify. Yeah, true. We, we do we could post just, these on Spotify. Just
0: do every every show keeps track of their picks. Yeah. So for us, yeah. we'll we'll keep we'll track, track of our picks. And do you want to do it maybe where it's not individually, but it's a crew show? Ooh. Like so Ooh. Monday crew versus the rest of the crew I like shows. That. I do like and whoever that. has the most wins so, the show. But we're gonna wins.
3: have to figure out we're gonna have to like streamline the picks though. You, like, well,
2: you, you, have to, you have to keep track of the odds, too. Like, if, if you were to take, like, a minus 2,000 pick and it hits, like, like if you are going to take value. Broncos' money line tonight, right. that shouldn't be the same as if DK Metcalf scores a touchdown tonight, or if any of our bets, which were, like, you guys both took a spread bet, I mean, that that's, should be minus 120 at the most, yeah. that shouldn't be equal to someone betting the
0: Broncos' money line
2: tonight. Right. Or, like, um,
0: Alabama versus Coppin' State. Right, football. exactly. Like, I get it. You, and you take
2: Alabama money line, like, oh, of right. course you take Alabama yeah, money obviously. line. Or, or Rutgers <laughs> versus um, Wagner. Exactly. So, I think the <laughs> biggest thing is just like note the odds. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll make that clear then. then. All yeah. right, so after the show we'll write down the So, mic. we'll
1: have to uh we'll send a blast out to the uh to the sports chat. All right, sounds good. Oh
2: yeah, make it happen. And just like that, 1 hour down, 1 hour to go. Step we're going to take a quick break, step aside and we'll come back for an hour or 2. Apparently there was some professional football and fantasy thing going on over the weekend. Um, what was that? Apparently Ellis did okay or something in this league that something or something or the other. That some Twitter, of us so may be know. involved in. It's definitely on Twitter at WRSU Sports. Um, Dallas Cowboys are probably going to get brought up. That's probably going to be the opening topic. Hmm. Um, yes, Jack's yes. Hint, hink, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Jack Passay <laughs> over there.